Welcome to the very first episode of the Podscast, where we talk about everything and anything. On this weekend of all weekends, it is the 76th anniversary of the D-Day invasion along the coastline of Normandy in France. And uh, we do just want to reach out and say we thank you for the sacrifice given that we could have our freedom. And that being said, it's also a very troubling time in our world. Um, Black Lives Matter. From the outset, I want to put up my stance and my belief that Black Lives Matter. There should be no discrimination of any kind in 2020. It's not acceptable. Racism is wrong, plain and simple. It shouldn't happen. It's way overdue that as a community and as a collective group of people that we say no more to racism. It's time the world stands up for social justice and what that really means and that's standing up for each other as one human race. It's not enough to be quietly non-racist. Now is the time to stand up, speak up, and be anti-racist. Now, our first topic on this episode of uh, the podcast, we are going to be talking about the greatest factions in wrestling history. We are my two guests, two illustrious guests from the famous Northern Ireland. We are going to rank from 1990 or so onwards, the top five factions or stables or groups, depending on what terminology you want to use in wrestling history. Each of us are going to give our top five and then we will debate with each other as to who, what and why we have each stable, each group, each faction in our top five. The podcast is on Twitter at the podcast. My two guests today, First of all, a Portadown fan, a modern wrestling hater. This is Neil Campbell at Neiler C on Twitter. And a WCW enthusiast, a man going through every single Nitro since it began, Aaron Montgomery. Also on Twitter at Aaron Spud, the number one. Feel free to reach out to us and I'm sure you'll get a very friendly reply. Let's debate the top five. Factions in wrestling history from 1990-ish onwards. Who will it be? The Cosmic Wasteland, the Oddities, the Mexicals, the Spirit Squad, or the League of Nations? Let's find out. So welcome to the very first episode of the podcast. Today we have two very famous guests all the way from Northern Ireland. Introducing first... The King of Football Manager, Aaron Spud Montgomery. How's your day been going, Aaron? Aaron Spud. Uh, fantastic, man. Well, not fantastic. I've just been playing football manager, like you said. But, yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks. And on the other line, we have Neil Portadine, Jaws Campbell. And, um, oh. Neil, how's your day been? Um, pretty bog standard, to be honest. There's not really much else you can do, bar go walk slightly hungover earlier on but yeah i'm getting a bit better now I had a mcdonald's there for the first time in about four months uh, how did that make you feel apart from needing to go to the bathroom just before uh this very important phone call well it was good for an old hangover here but what'd you uh, get a large big mac meal they've got a reduced menu at the minute they're only serving certain meals and stuff so yeah 
this, I was actually uh, surprised on the internet pretty quick. Yeah, well, you get that a lot. This podcast is uh, advertised by McDonald's. Just need to put that out there as well. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Uh, well, today we have a very interesting topic, and it's a very appropriate topic on the 10th anniversary of the debut of the Nexus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you know that, gentlemen. I only found it out this morning because Darren Young said something about it on Twitter. Thank <laughs> Darren. See, top top post there, Potsy. Mm-hmm. Know your facts, Mister No Days Off. He's, he's, he's putting the work in. <laughs> Mister No Days Off, Darren Young. He was he was a legend. Remember we met him and Titus in New York. Oh God, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we are going to debate the top five wrestling factions. I would say in history, but we're probably going to go from nineteen ninety ish onwards. Um, so we will each have a have the top five, and I will go through and go through it together. But first, I just want to throw some ideas out there, and I would like you guys to comment whether they should or should not be included in the conversation for the top five um, <laughs> factions of all time. So I will start with the radicals. I did have them as one, but. They didn't make my top five, but they should be included in the I conversation. Would, I would say, yeah, I would agree with Spud there. I'm like, I wasn't a big fan at all. Like, obviously, they've all done well, like, you know, as singles competitors and stuff, too. But yeah, no, they, they, were, they were solid. I would definitely have them in the conversation, but they wouldn't be in my top five. But yeah, they'd be solid enough. I would have them in the conversation. Okay, I put these next two separate, even though they eventually did join up, but we'll go through them separately for just just for this instance. The Ministry of Darkness. Uh, yeah, and have you got Corporation? I'm guessing as well. Yeah, it's next. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, because they joined up really soon after and stuff like that. A hundred percent, they should be in the conversation. Just a wee clue to my top five, but yeah, no, they definitely should be. Okay. Maybe your thoughts on the corporation uh, or the corporate ministry or individually? Funny uh, the way you're discussing it there. I actually agree with Spud, but earlier on I was thinking of the top five and I had the Ministry of Darkness, you know, I was thinking of is it the Ministry of Darkness or would it include it when, it when they were like the corporate ministry and stuff? So it would definitely have the both of them. Definitely would be in the conversation for me as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've agreed okay. twice already, Spot. That's not normal. That's a record. That's a record, mate. We should take like six months in between talking from now on. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Undisputed Era? There, again, they were in my... Basically, what I've done, Potsy, is I'm, I put it in the group chat that we've got going earlier. I didn't know, really. My top five changes, you know, day-to-day, everybody should. Um, so, like... I just done like a wee point system for myself. So I've got like 25 factions that are whittled down by giving them points. If that makes sense. Interesting. And where, where did, um, if they're in your top five, you don't have to tell me or you can, did the undisputed era feature in your top five or where did they land in your point system? They did. They were actually, they're in the honorable mentions that just missed okay. out. I have okay. a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay. And how does your point system work exactly? Um, well, basically, I've done four four categories. This is how sad I am. So, 
it's uh, my personal preference. They're all out of five, and then 20 total. So it's my personal preference out of five, impact slash success, how entertaining they were in general, and their theme music. Okay, I like the theme music one. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think of one. So basically, they're all out of five, tally them all up, and out of 20. And that sort of helped me pick everything. Okay, very good, very good. I'm interested to hear your top five now. Um, <laughs> so speaking of speaking of theme music, the next mention I'm going to bring up is the X Factor. Oh, Jesus. God, I hated them. That's oh. Uncle Cracker. Uncle Cracker did their theme music, remember him? <laughs> Vaguely. Yeah, no, I mean, they're I in the coming... I X-Pac as a kid. <laughs> I hated him. I hated X-Factor. It was I just, hated Just Incredible, but I liked Albert. I I was never sold on the Albert character, but I have to say, I, the name Just Incredible is ridiculous, it's but it's awful. actually quite funny. <laughs> so, Neil, you said you hated the X Factor. Now, did you hate the, hate the X Factor in the context of, oh, here comes Baron Corbin, let's boom? Or did you hate the X Factor as in, no, these guys are just awful and I don't want them on my TV? It was more the fact that I just, to me, it just, obviously it was called X-Factor and it was named after X-Pac, but the, the, for me, the reason why X-Pac was so disliked was because his character never, ever changed. And it was exactly the same when he was in X-Factor. The only difference was, instead of wearing black and green, he wore black and purple. <laughs> and, and the same music. Yeah. And yeah, the same music, it just, you know, you're dealing with the X-Factor. I just, I don't know. I just really disliked it. <laughs> I never, I never for me as per Spud's ranking system yeah. but yeah. the rest of it I would agree with I'm not a huge fan of the X Factor no, they didn't I do well it. did they? not they really a few months, but they didn't. Albert, so. Albert got so. the Intercontinental yeah yeah you're right yeah he did eh? but the just incredible not <laughs> he debuted and then not long after that did he not get injured during the whole X Factor thing, and then the sort of just sort of wrote off. No, sure, he was in the Alliance, was he not? Yeah, I think that's why they wrote it off. They just ended up going right X Factor's a load of dross. Let's it, just put him in the ECW. He, did, he, he wasn't there for long in that invasion. That he, he did, he didn't last long during that. But you know the way, he just sort of just disappeared. Didn't he not disappear? Mm. And that was it. Do you remember um, the Invasion pay-per-view? Was was it X-Pac versus someone? was like one of the only it's matches that didn't have... Like a, have RPD. A, oh, what was, the, what was his match at Invasion, X-Pac? Was it Kidman? Yep. No. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was RPD, it was RPD Jeff Hardy. and Jeff Hardy. Yeah. So they had X-Pac as the light heavyweight champion against Kidman as the cruiserweight champion. And mm-hmm. funny, whenever the network was off for that trial, I watched Invasion. It was the first pay-per-view I went back and watched. And Invasion, at, at, at Invasion, the fans, the WWE fans, were booing X-Pac and cheering Billy Kidman. That's they created X-Pac. <laughs> Another, uh, moving on from X-Pac and the hatred of X-Pac. <laughs> another, another stable or faction I want to bring up is one that you're very familiar with, Neil as um, you've always been a member in terms of the football community. Um, the job squad. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, yeah, well, they'd be more of a, a comedy stable, I suppose, faction, but I really don't I don't think they'd be in the conversation, do you? 
No, of course not. I just they served their purpose for what they were needed for at that time and that time oh, yeah. period. I mean that Al Al Snow and the, and the, when they all imploded in Al Snow versus Hardcore Holly or at the time Bob Holly and they ended up in the Mississippi River at um, the Valentine's Day Massacre was hilarious. Um, it was kind of like the the good way hilarious wrestling as opposed to the stuff we see today. But yeah. um, also with um, the Job Squad, another one pops into my head. The Mexicals. Jesus, yeah, the Mexicals. On their lawnmowers. But that was just, <laughs> there was just two of them. Was there not three? I thought there was three, no? No, it was, it was super crazy, and uh, it was a tag team, because the one that... <laughs> Sorry. They, could, they couldn't have, <laughs> like, crazy. three. Holy yeah, it's super crazy, and... It's the worst team ever. I cannot remember who the other one was. It was... It was just two of them, so I don't think so now. Okay, okay. I thought I thought there was three for some reason. Maybe there is, mate. I I'm not 100%, but I just remember, like, I don't remember seeing three lawnmowers. <laughs> I saw it on my face. Smackdown had a few of those little random um, factions. Remember, that was around, roughly around the same time where the full blooded Italians were running around with Ninzio and Johnny Stamboli, and was it Palumbo? <laughs> I, no, that was... It was a weird out time. That's like 2006 SmackDown. That's when Animal and Heidenreich were winning the titles and dark, dark days. <laughs> speaking speaking of dark days, going back to the yes. previous point, Potsy, when you left off there and you said about the hatred of X-Pac, I understand I can be quite harsh, but I will give credit where credit's due. And one thing I do like about X-Pac is <laughs> last year... Kissy listens. <laughs> last year, no, no, but I'm just, I'm just telling you how it is. Last yeah, yeah. year, when he called WWE out, whenever they had that Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt Hell in a Cell, which ended in a no contest, and X Pac was like, "What? Like, can this actually happen?" And then he he was just bashing the product, and I, he did say he was, "They'll probably not invite me back after this," and I'm pretty sure they haven't, have they? Well, not I don't, I, I, don't I don't think he has been back as like an analyst or review, um, or part of a review panel. I know he's been back for those those um, yeah. old old segments, I guess. I don't know how you want to pronounce them. Those retro segments or nostalgia segments where they bring Wayne DX out three times a year. Um, he doesn't really. He doesn't really make many appearances in general, like you said. Unless the only time I would have thought he might have made an appearance is Triple H's twenty fifth anniversary, and he didn't pop up. Yeah, that's but, true, actually. Yeah, he's never really on like the backstage sort of pre shows and stuff like that. I've never really seen X Pac because he's an agent. <laughs> so up next, um, an honourable mention of mine and a personal favourite <laughs> of mine when I look back to the Attitude Era specifically around the 2000-2001 era, is the right to censor. Yeah, I had them. They did not do well in my point system. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, they didn't do... Like, for me, they'll, they'll never be, like, one of the top factions, but they generated hate, of which is incredible, especially when you look at today's wrestling, where <laughs> a lot of the Haley's come out and they get cheered and stuff. The right to yeah. censor came out and got booed for being in character, for being in their gimmick. Um, for having terrible theme music. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I love the right to censor. I think they're brilliant. <laughs> Literally, like the the rune to two of my sort of semi favorite guys. I like oh, really? Venus and the Godfather. So the <laughs> the took them in and I just like right. Well, no more no more hoes or money shots. What's going on here? It's hectic. 
<laughs> I want my Valvenus back. <laughs> oh, you, wanted... you know the way? Do you know the way? For a while, uh, Valvenus sometimes wore white pants, but then when he went to write the censor, he still wore the white trousers. <laughs> yeah, man. He looked like an ice cream man. He looked mental. <laughs> Uh, Very so good. They, could, they could get nuclear heat. They were brilliant. They yeah, were they, brilliant. They got the lowest points on my <laughs> on my very scientific point system. They get three out of twenty. Wow, that's, that's, that's impressive in a wrong kind of way. <laughs> Zero Anybody out of five for the same music. Anyone that wrestles in a shirt and tie <laughs> needs to needs to be up there. But no, I do agree. They, they more like they're more comedic, but. I always thought they were very good, but you, you can't you can't even have them in the conversation for like the top five. That would be ludicrous, but they are good. Okay. What about um, something which helped debut Edge and Christian? What about the Brood? See, I would just put them in with the Ministry. They eventually joined them. Yeah. Okay. So, you so would I would it. just I, when I was thinking of the Ministry, I was thinking of Edge and Christian coming down and hanging the big boss man. So that's <laughs> the way I'm I'm going with that. Okay. I watched that earlier on. Yeah? Yeah. WrestleMania 15? Yeah, I just picked it up on YouTube, the, that clip. And oh, that's clip. weird. You couldn't do that, or, you couldn't do that nowadays? No. No, not. you shouldn't have done it back then. Play no. well, AEW might give it a go. They did give Drowning someone a go. Um, to be fair, Edge did try and hang Randy Orton at WrestleMania. That's true. That's true. There's, yeah, there's, that's true, actually, yeah. No, <laughs> there's no, just, nobody cares anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so moving moving on, another couple of um, I think honourable mentions or unique stables. Um, the Un Americans. They were in mine. Really? Not it, my top. Not my top five, but I really, really liked the Un Americans. So did I. They got they got great heat as well. Similar to yeah. right to censor, they got great heat. Um, in a very I don't know maybe you could put it in a watered down version, but La Resistance. I th- but that was mostly a tag team, but they were quite similar in that context. It's just ninety seven Heart Foundation. Yeah, they, they were, were all anti or anti American. Sorry. Yep, it's on my it's on my list actually, and that was so good as a storyline at that time because they actually main evented pay per views in tag matches. The Heart Foundation was how good they were at be at getting <laughs> hate and being over like, um. What what was it? The Canadian Stampede, where they main evented um, in Calgary against was it Austin, the um, Road Warriors. Road Warriors. Who else was Theater it? Theater and Goldust. Theater and Goldust. That was it. Like, <laughs> imagine that, you know, a faction and a tag match main event a pay per view. I just think it's brilliant. Um, Steve Austin getting booed and the heels getting cheered. It's like bizarro world. That yeah. That's a really good match, actually. That's a good show. It is. I, I watched that recently. <laughs> it was yeah. fresh in my head. Um, the Canadian crowd was crazy at that, too. With, and then Austin was giving everyone the fingers as he was being arrested. <laughs> it was superb. Um, the, Un-Amer- the Un-Americans, they have, uh, like, Test. I love Test. I love Christian. I love Lance Storm. So that's yeah. me, sort of. Three absolute and, uh, solid workers yeah. as well. Your feud were Kane and The Undertaker would just bait them about and The Undertaker's all pro-American out of nowhere. I'm all for it. <laughs> what about um, The Cabinet? <laughs> JBL, Orlando Jordan and Gillian Hall and um, was, was it Basham's in that Finley? as well? Is it Finley in it? I can't remember. I know he fought Finley at a WrestleMania. Maybe it, it was something No, do you know what it was? It's the Booker T. When he was King Booker, he had his court. That's oh, what I'm yeah, thinking that's of. Right, that's right. He had Finley and Regal and all. 
But yeah, the cabinet, Jesus. <laughs> Neil, any thoughts on the cabinet? Not fast. Thanks. <laughs> no, I just no. no I didn't like Orlando anywhere. Jordan. They wouldn't be anywhere near the conversation for me. No. Okay. No. Okay. Um, a couple of older ones here. What about the Bobby Heenan family or the Dangerous Alliance arm? Um, Bobby Heenan family was actually in my thing, but it's too widespread. Yeah. It's literally it's Bobby Heenan. It's it gets Bobby Heenan over more than anybody else. And it was literally for about 10 years. It was Andre the Giant, Bundy. It was literally any heel was going with Bobby Heenan. So they get zero out of 10 for theme music because they didn't have any. And <laughs> uh, I liked them because Bobby Heenan's fun to listen to and on commentary and whatnot. But there's only so many times you can see Hulk Hogan beat, beat him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, another couple for you, Neil. We've got Legacy the New Day, and The Authority. Thoughts on any of those? Um, yeah, Legacy were good. Uh, anyway, mm. they, had cool, they had cool merchandise and stuff, and then obviously in 2009, remember when Randy Orton had that run where he won the Rumble and he main event at WrestleMania? How he didn't win the title of that, but that was the whole Legacy thing around then. And then Legacy were involved in a couple of big matches, was it? A backlash, and it was Legacy against Triple H, Shane, and Batista for the title. I'm, I'm thinking I'm right in saying. And just around then, they were always involved in big matches. And then, though they always projected that it would be Ted DiBiase would be the breakout star, but he floundered, whereas Cody Rhodes kicked on from there. But Legacy were solid, and then they had the triple threat at Mania 2026. Is that right? Mania 26. I had a yeah, I think you're right. The yeah. Was it a triple threat or was it two on one? Triple threat. Definitely, yeah. I yeah, just yeah. Uh, I remember them teaming up loads to try and get round there. That's probably what I'm thinking of. I think it was at the Elimination Chamber the month before that. Randy Orton and Davy Assey were both in it. But then Cody Rhodes may have handed him a pipe and Davy Assey whacked him with it and eliminated him. I think that was sort of like the official... It sort of like officially broke up then. Possibly. Uh, your mem- your memory's better than mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I might. No, Legacy, again, yeah, they, they were a good stable. They'd be up there, but I, I wouldn't have, again, they wouldn't make my top five, but they would be in the conversation. They were good. They had a good run. New Day, well, we were there at, at that Raw. Do you remember when they debuted together? They came out and were doing the whole clapping stuff and people were booing them and all. And then eventually when they turned them heel, it actually, that worked in their favour because then they started to get over. But they're going to be up there because they've had, is it the longest tag team title reign in history or combined title reign, is that? It's one or the other. Yeah, and so then for me, you have to look at even their, their reach outside of wrestling. They've got their own shoes, I think, with Foot Locker, and they've got their own cereal and stuff. So they've obviously got a bit of a reach there, so they've done very, very well. Yeah. Up, um, up, down, down on YouTube. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's massive. I watch it every now and again. It's actually pretty fun. Is that the gaming thing? Yeah. I, I saw a few episodes of watching an episode with AJ Styles on it. I was actually very impressed with that. It was, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they'd be up there, but I, I, again, I wouldn't have them in the top five, but they, they would be in the conversation. And then who was the other one you mentioned the, there, Poppy? The, um, the Authority. Again, 
I, it's just I a watered-down version of the corporation in my eyes. That's yeah. what I thought, too. I thought, I thought it was rep. good, and it served its purpose, but at the same time, I felt a lot of it was quite repetitive. It got drawn out a wee bit too long, but it served its purpose in the sense that it got Daniel Bryan over massively, but it started to get... I think people were starting to get sick of it around the time of the Royal Rumble that year, which is the one that everyone thought Daniel Bryan should have won, but Reigns won. But then, yeah. you remember, Big Show and Kane came out, and they were against oh, Reigns. Yeah. And everyone was just booing it. They were like, this is boring. Yeah, that's right. So, um, an- Another couple for you here, Aaron. We have the Wyatt family and <laughs> the Straight Edge Society. Do you know what? I didn't actually think until I was answering the phone call about the Straight Edge Society. Um, because it just got kind of... They both got sacked or something. Or the girl kind of went nuts and got sacked. Yeah, they didn't I- really last too long. I thought they were brilliant, but there was some stuff that went it's on behind CM the scenes Punk, that, that ended them. Yes, it is. It's it's down to It's Punk. literally, and it's uh, no offense to like her, but um, it's two guys and a girl, so it's always going to be like either mixed tag. I like sort of loads of fellas. I like loads of fellas. I like <laughs> loads of guys, and maybe a, a girl, sort of one or two girls there. Um, if it's just two guys, it's always going to be tag team with her interrupting at the side. So that kind of faction kind of bugs me a wee bit. There's yeah. only so much you can do it, do with it. And who was the other one? The we the Wades, the Wyatts, the Wyatt family, <laughs> the Wyatt family. Um, they were in the point system. They they're in an an honourable mention. They just missed out. I love their theme music. Um, I like. The other two, um, what do you call it? Eric and Luke Harper, uh, Wyatt, it, he never won. Yeah. See the video. I remember seeing the videos when the and it's all like run and they're in the backwoods and blah blah blah. And it's really good. It's like oh my god, I want to see these guys. And then they came in, had an awful feud with Kane, and that was just it. It was just plodding along and. Bray Wyatt doing like beat poetry every week, talking about birds and where to go with them. So uh, I was a fan, but they're not in the top five. Okay. Um, another one I want to ask you about, Nate, would be the Nation of Domination. I, I really, really like the Nation of Domination because it gave The Rock a platform to be The Rock, to be himself with time on the mic and established him as a heel with charisma and allowed him to push on. Would you? What, what was your thoughts on the Nation of Domination? Yeah, again, they would be up there. Um, obviously, Dino, that was sort Dino. of where the... Well, yeah, Dino Brown. Well, he's the first ever Eurocontinental champion. He was, so indeed. It gave the Brock the platform to really kick on. It's interesting, you know, when you look back to that sort of era, and a lot of the big-name stars who became big around then... They all seem to start with stupid gimmicks or being stables, whereas The Rock and The Nation of Domination is Triple H was in DX, you know, like Edge was in The Brood, etc., etc. So the stables back then, like, it, they did make quite a few main eventers. The Nation, yeah, they, their their music, their theme music was quite imposing as well because it was like, we are the Nation of Domination. It, it sort of stuck out. Two um, out of five. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's not amazing, but it, it, it was. It, it stuck out. It was something different, but they were good. They they made the rock and the, the main event star, gave them the platform. But 
now, Nation of Domination are a wee bit before before my time, but they feuded with DX for quite a while, did they not? And then, but the DX not usually get the upper hand. Am I right in saying? Spot did that massively racist promo where they all did blackface and yeah. pretended to be the Nation of Domination. And uh, but yeah, usually it was quite neck and neck, and then it just branched off to where it was Triple H and The Rock because everybody realized that they're the only two that anybody's going to care about except Mark Henry in 15 years. So, uh, yeah. No, it's a wee bit before your time, but it's they're up there. They have to be up there just because of The Rock and Farouk's class and Dalo's great and Godfather had his moments. So, yeah. They had, yeah. They had the good, did they not have the good storyline as well when The Rock officially took control and they kicked Farouk out as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they brought was... in Owen Hart and all sorts. Yeah, that was where The Rock gave everyone the nation a gift. They bought them all Rolexes, but he gave Farouk a picture of The Rock. <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah, that's That class. was very, very funny. Um, my, one of my other ones that I've got on and um, on this list, Neil, La Familia. Outstanding. <laughs> they were outstanding. Vicky Guerrero, I'm... Edge. Who else was in that? Chavo Guerrero. Big show yep. there for a while. What do you call Kurt those two? Isaac Ryder and Kurt. Oh, the Edgeheads, they were tremendous. <laughs> when that all started, the whole La Familia thing, um, we were watching that at, at my mum's house, Armageddon 2007, when Edge won. He, he, he'd not long been back, and then he won the title off Batista. Yeah. And it was Spoilers. when the Edgeheads debuted, and we were like, this is amazing. But every single time, every week, uh, they were on SmackDown, and every week, you could guarantee... Edge always won by cheating. There was always something. Somebody interfered, and they had that big feud with Undertaker. Do you remember they had a, a TLC match? Like, yeah. Was it a, a, was it at One Night Stand? And Undertaker <laughs> fell off the ladder through all the tables. But I think at one stage there was like six people interfered in that match to try and stop Taker winning. Yeah, and then they had the Hell in a Cell at SummerSlam, I think, as well. Um, yes, Vicky br- Guerrero brought him back. Yeah, yeah, that was a brilliant rivalry. Um, yeah, the Undertaker well, set him on fire in that match, I believe. Fight, put him through the ring, and then the ring blew yeah. up. <laughs> the whole yeah, the ring blew up or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, anyway, they would be up there. They they were very good. They were they were always entertained with them. Yeah, um, a personal favorite of mine. So much so that I even created an angle for them at one WrestleMania, three MB. What a fantastic stable. <laughs> there was not well, there was nothing better than going on a night out, having a few drinks and then being absolutely polax and then start playing the air guitar after he slid in the voice. Yeah, they they were funny but you, you could never Spot, have you ever heard Potty's theory about three MB? No. No. I'll tell you. It was wrestling. No, I'll in. tell you. I'll, no, no, I'll no, because you. you'll you'll You're gonna you'll tell me Potty's theory. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was there was a lot of rumours the Undertaker was injured and he might not be able to compete at Mania so I yeah. said if it was me I would have 3MB come out do some sort of like music concert messing around or whatever the lights go off Taker's music hits everyone gets to see the big entrance he throws them about the ring couple of choke slams tombstone lights go out music comes on everyone goes home happy the same Taker that was my theory, and I still don't think that was a bad idea. I mean, it's just the Elias spot for John Cena a couple of years ago, but uh, when the Undertaker wasn't meant to come out, and then he eventually did. Yeah, no, 100%. It's 
it's fine. I mean, it gets them on WrestleMania. I don't see why they didn't. Also, two of them have became world champions since. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't wait so, for Slater to be brought back and get his run. Yeah. I can't wait for him to be TNA champion. <laughs> Surely, uh, if they did ever do a program between Jinder Mahal and Drew McIntyre for the title, for example, said like a filler pay-per-view, Surely they would actually bring Heath Slater back for like a, I don't know, like a segment in the ring or something like that. Bound to, surely. Apparently they've offered a lot of them contracts back. You know the way they get rid of like 50 people? Yeah. Um, They've offered them contracts back, but they're like a, a silly fraction of what they were on when they were released. So Drake Maverick, that wee guy that was... He's in NXT now. He, had, he was meant to have his last match in the Cruiserweight uh, tournament the other night, but uh, Triple H came out and gave him a contract. So they have been offered, like Rusev and whatnot have been offered, but uh, it's it's ridiculously low compared to you know what they were on. I could see Rusev maybe ending up at AEW, to be honest, but there was a apparently TV he's got that TNA. Yeah, I saw oh, that because there was a TV ad and... Yep. Um, Apparently it had the Bulgarian flag in it at some point, so a lot of people are yep. thinking, "Oh, he's going to TNA." Do you know what it was? It was like uh, it was a TV ad, and it's like uh, the fu- who knows what the future holds. It's for their Slammiversary or something like that. Their big yeah. WrestleMania, yeah. And uh, they were showing all the like Eric Young and EC3 people that have been there previously. And it's like who knows what the future holds, and then they showed the Bulgarian flag. So yeah, maybe. Right, okay. Still uh, watch it. Rega- with regards to Heath Slater, the thing about him was he he was sort of like a lovable loser. He he was always <laughs> over with the crowd. Because you remember the they did the whole Legends gimmick before the Raw one thousand and two thousand and twelve. They did did oh, that yes. and and Heath Slater was challenging or running his mouth every week and somebody came out and beat him up and but he, he was always well said over. their he always said their catchphrase just before they came out. Yeah, he was well over, and then even Weird. Jimber that did that storyline, he was the hottest free agent because no brand would sign him, and then yeah. he, he eventually he was, it was the whole "I've got kids" T-shirt. It was him and Rhino. Yeah. yeah, he was well over. I always liked Heath Slater. I thought he was so that. Yep, same. Do you remember John Cena buried him when he said he looked like the poster girl for Wendy's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a few stables that I forgot to mention, so if there's anything that pops up, either of you, please just name them. But the the, one, the, the last one I want to say before moving into our top five, unless either of you have any other ideas that I've missed, is Team Angle. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. No impact. I was, re- I was really. What about Todd? What about the social outcasts? <laughs> oh. I forgot about Bo Dallas and the boys. Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> Almost as bad as the core with the two R's in the middle. Oh, dear God! Ezekiel Jackson. Mm-hmm. The League Jeez, of Nations pops to mind now that I'm thinking of awful stables. Oh, we should do we should do the bottom five. Here's another stable. Sorry, what about uh, the Hollies? Remember they had Hardcore Crash and Molly. That's right. They were they were brilliant undercard stable. They were always doing something. Crash especially yeah. run the round in that Hardcore division, defending it in you know kids parks and airports and hotels. 
I think he got to the semi-final of the King of the Ring one year and then Kurt Angle beat him. Yeah. Would you count the Dudleys yeah. as, as a faction if you include Spike or do you still sort of just see that more yeah. of an extended tag team? Extended tag team for me. Yeah. Same. Fair. Okay, so we'll move into our top five and we will start with Neil in fifth place. Who have you got? Right. This was... It was difficult because, as we said earlier on, you know, do you go for your favourites or do you do you think outside the box and look at it down the line, down the middle, and think, no, these are the best ones? So, again, I don't know too much about them, but I obviously know of the impact that they made in the industry. And like, now I was never a big fan of WCW, as you know, and even before at NWA, but everyone knows of the achievements and how they helped put wrestling on the map, so I would say the four horsemen would be in fifth place for me. Okay. Spud, who have you got? In fifth place is DX. Interesting, because also... I didn't have a big, a big old speech. It's just <laughs> DX. In fifth place for me is also DX. Yeah. Um, I thought... They were very good. They helped usher in the Attitude Era and the change in the WWE side. Um, but a lot of the stuff and the craziness was influ- was influenced probably by ECW and the NWO. But um, it helped make Triple H a main event star. New Age Outlaws are a brilliant tag team. Um, and Shawn Michaels, when his part in DX, is probably one of the best ever in-ring performers. So I think it's very hard to leave DX out of the conversation. So for me, they take up the fifth spot. See, with me, um, just to elaborate a little bit, um, I'm looking at it over everything. I hated them when they returned in 2006 and were chucking glow sticks and Shawn Michaels is pointing to his belly button instead of his dick or his whatever. And um, if you just take like the... Because they hung around, Triple H joined the corporation and it was just the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac just hanging on for dear life. Um, so looking over everything, they're probably higher in a lot of people's lists, but I don't, when Hornswoggle, that whole shtick, and I just didn't like them at the tail end. Yeah, their uh, retu- so, the return in 06 pushed them down my list. And, and then again of, and again and again and that last yeah. match that they did uh, against Taker and Kane, um, no, that don't do it anymore, lads. It's it's fine. <laughs> Had enough. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in fourth place, Neil, who have you got? Right, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I had them up higher originally, but <clears> I changed <throat> my mind and I put them down to fourth, and it's for the same reasons that you boys have just listed already. And it's DX, and I I think because they helped usher in the new era and the Attitude Era specifically, and you know the the ratings and stuff that were going up on under them, you know with Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So and then the whole, do you remember Triple H sort of took the ball in a totally different direction and went outside WCW, you know, on the tank and stuff, and that was pretty cool. But as Spuds has already alluded to whenever it sort of joined they sort of joined forces with the corporation and it was sort of more that Road Dog and X-Pac became a tag team yeah. uh, even though like they had already joined the X and stuff so got a bit convoluted 
And then again, when they came back in 2006, it was just like, guys, these are in their 40s here and these are literally acting like 18-year-olds. It really doesn't work. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna have DX in fourth place. I, I had them higher earlier and then I thought about it again and then I dropped them down to fourth. Interesting. But I would agree. I'd agree with most of that. Aaron, yeah. what have, um, who have you got in fourth? Well, um, like I said, everything on my point system, the main thing that I was looking at is sort of my personal preference and the impact slash success. So the impact they made and the star making that they made, because I think factions should do that. It should be uh, top stars with a couple of younger ones sort of learning from them. And eventually they break up and they become their own thing. Um, but this is an anomaly in itself. It's the shield. All three of them uh, made a really good debut. Um, Powerbombing Ryback through the table at like a triple threat match, I think. Uh, nobody knew really who they were. This is before NXT was sort of really, really watched and what it is today. Um, and it's made three of the biggest wrestling stars of the past 10 years. So, yeah, 100%. They're all, plus, that time where all three of the members uh, were champion on the one night. Yeah, because Dean Ambrose had the, it's it's just good storytelling. I really, uh, I really like the shield and yeah, the proofs there, all the championships and two of them are carrying one company and another one's carrying AEW. So fair play to them. Yeah, the shield were fourth in my list as well. Have um, you just copied me? <laughs> I have. I, 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 I spied on you and copied your list. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Shields were fourth for me. Um, specifically, everything you said, I agree with. And another reason why I think I put them above DX, where a lot of other people probably wouldn't, is because every match they had was good. You know, mm-hmm. even when when Ambrose was the US champion, even though he never defended it for like a year, um, they were involved in the tag division. They were doing, they were they really brought back and reinvented the way that multi-man tag matches happened especially you know your three on threes um, mm-hmm. and we alluded to it earlier with the Hart Foundation where we said they closed pay-per-views in tag matches and um, the Shades could close pay-per-views they had brilliant matches with the Wyatts they had brilliant matches with Daniel Bryan Keenan and Ryback um, they had a that brilliant Wyatt, that Wyatt feud was class as well I forgot all about the Wyatt feud but even just them staring down would close yeah. a Raw yeah. And that would be the crowd would be going absolutely bananas. Yeah, the and, two matches uh, with Evolution. Yeah. Remember, were excellent too. Yeah, Blue Tista. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I didn't lose for like a year and a half or something ridiculous like that right. as well. They were very well protected. And yeah, yeah just hundred percent. Number even four. At, even at WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania twenty nine, I think it was, or was it was it WrestleMania thirty? I think it might have been WrestleMania thirty, where they beat Keenan and the Outlaws. And yeah. you know, even though no one really cared about that match because you knew it was a foregone conclusion who would win, it was the fact mm-hmm. that all three of those guys got their big entrance and they came through the crowd and they'd done all their big moves. People just popped. You know, they were just yeah. so over. Um, so for me, they, they sit firmly in fourth. Good same music, but uh, I can't hear it now without thinking of everybody booing Roman Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's sullied it a little bit, you know. Understandable. Number three for Neil. Who forgot? Evolution. For me. It's a mystery. <laughs> the re- <laughs> and the reason being, 
whenever Austin left and Rock left, and you know they were the two big stars, the two massive stars in, in WWE and Triple H. He did step up and he helped fill the void, and then he made the stable. And I actually was watching the documentary about Evolution there, about the whole ruthless aggression era, not too long ago, and obviously that they made Randy Orton into a main event star. They made Batista into a main event star. They made Ric Flair relevant again, back to his sneaky, dastardly ways, like what, which he became so very famous for in the first place. Uh, and then there's that famous picture of the four of them standing uh, with Triple H with the world title. Randy's got the Intercontinental, and they had Ric Flair and Batista uh, with the world tag titles. So at one stage, they held all the gold between them. And it was, you know, they had in, like, good theme music as well, as Spud was saying. Earlier on, the theme music does play a big part, and they did. They had the look, and then I think that well, they would admit it now themselves. What Triple H did on that documentary, where they're saying they probably pulled the plug on, or sorry, not pulled the plug, pulled the trigger on Randy Orton too early, but it was perfectly done with Batista, and then that led to the whole, you know, the rest big WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania 21. So, I I would have. Uh, evolution in third place. Okay, Aaron. Um, well, as you know, lads, I watch all sorts. I'm pretty much a historian of uh, wrestling. Um, so I don't know if you'll ha- have heard of these boys, but they're called the NWO. <laughs> like some fella, Hulk Hogan, and two other lads just got together and started like a revolution. No, uh, NWO. They literally changed the game. They uh, biggest title turn of all time. Ran again. I'm looking at it right across the board. Loads of people put NWO like on top. I've been watching Nitro, as you know, Potsy. Yeah. I've been watching old Nitro on the network because I can't really watch wrestling in a minute. It needs a crowd, and it's amazing how fast it gets bad so big massive impact but then it starts to get a very convoluted it's already like two months later they've went from three fellas to like 10 and it's only going to get worse from there i think all together there was like 39 members of the <laughs> nwo so that's why they're not top but they literally they brought wrestling to a load of people they started pretty much the monday night wars and there was a reason that they won 83 weeks in a row um against wwe because you've got nwo with all the cool guys in their black t-shirts and then you flick over to wwf and you've got i don't know 1996 what was happening farouk wearing some mad luminescent helmet against <laughs> like uh Repo Man's a great show. Yeah, so it's it was a lot cooler and it forced WWE to be better. So in that regards, they're up there. But I personally, I just think it was there was too much of it and they relied too heavily on it. And ultimately, it ended up ruining WCW. But they're still they still should be lauded. And number three for me. So for the first time in this top five list, I've actually a different answer from you, Spud. 
I have the same answer as Neil. I have evolution. Um, I agree with, I think, something you said earlier, Spud, was that every stable should make, have a breakout star, should make stars. Mm-hmm. And I think Evolution done that perfectly with, specifically, Batista. It did put Orton on the map, and it did make Randy Orton, but I think, as Neil alluded to, they, they did pull the trigger slightly too early with Orton. Um, but that being said, they did elevate him from sort of a blue-chip opener to someone who could compete realistically in a main event, who could compete in the upper mid-card, who was excellent in the ring. And between Evolution, the 49-word title reigns. Jeez. And, when you, and, and when, when you look at that longevity, when you look at that amount of quality and that amount of main event experience, I think it, I don't think any top five list cannot have Evolution in it. Um, yeah. 16 from Fleur, 14 from Triple H, 13 with Orton, and 6 from Batista. Um, it really is a crazy, crazy number. And when you look at Evolution individually, all four members of Evolution have went one-on-one with Taker at Mania, which says a lot for each each member. Because That's great. When you, when you actually watch that Taker documentary, he's very, very picky, specifically as he gets older, as who he works with. And yeah. even though I actually think Batista versus Taker at Mania 23 should have main evented rather than seen as Shawn Michaels, just because there was more of a build and more of a storyline to it. And um, I really think that that match, in my opinion, is probably Batista's best match. Um, and that really, even, even in defeat, he looked brilliant. He looked like a million dollars. Him and Taker, I thought, had an absolutely outstanding match. Um they had an outstanding feud. Yeah, they did. Match. They had then they have a draw on a last man standing match at Backlash, and then I think so. Remember Edge cashed in on Taker after they had a steel cage match, and they both landed at the exact same time. Oh yeah, I think so. Your memory's better than me. I don't remember that, but um, I take yeah, your word. Edge, I take your on him after that cage match. I think Mark Henry binned him, and then Edge cashed in, but it was after the steel cage match. Batista lost the Mania match, but then they still made him look very strong because they drew in the last man standing and then they drew in the cage match as well. Is that the cage match where Mark Henry couldn't get the door open? Have Uh, you ever seen that? No, I can't remember. I think, was it not, was the cage not already lifted and then Mark Henry came out and binned him? Ah, right, right, right. Yeah. Have you ever seen that where Mark Henry's meant to come in and like pull the door off its hinges like Kane did back in the day? And he just <laughs> can't do it. They haven't rigged it up right and it's ridiculous. No, I must have a little look at that on YouTube after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll actually have to take a look at that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, Evolution was number three. Good shot. Um, number two, Neil Campbell. Who have you got? Right. Well, if I tell you my number two, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to know who the number one is. So number two, now as I said to you before, I am not a fan of WCW at all. I know who it is. And if this was a list of (laughs) picking your number, your top five favorites, honestly, they wouldn't even be on the list. But because we have to look at it, you know, down the line, uh, NWO premier second. But basically, all the points that I wanted to make about them, Spod has already made because he picked them first for in. Is the third position there? So, and uh, um, so pretty much, like they said, they had they made wrestling cool. Uh, 
basically because well, WWE was garbage back then. It was dreadful. Mm-hmm. The stuff that they were firing out week in, week out was just not fun, not cool at all. <clears throat> Kevin Nash and Scott Hall made wrestling cool again. So you have to give them full credit for that. The only thing is, again, you've already alluded to, is the fact that not long down the line, it was just the whole concept of WCW was just about NWO and it got very convoluted and there was about 500 people in their group and all and it just got absolutely ridiculous and it got to the stage where they were burying everybody. Nobody nobody ever won against them and faces couldn't get over because they were just getting buried by NWO. You couldn't take them seriously. Uh, anybody that was going up against them because each week it was just beat down after beat down after beat down. So I think had they had they not been so ego driven down the line, I think they may have, may have been in first place for me. But that's what puts them down into the second place. It just got too convoluted. It got too much, and there's sort of like NW Wolfpack and all that sort of carry on as well. And you know Hogan wouldn't job for people and wouldn't put new people over and all. That brings them down for me. Um, but for their initial impact in wrestling, you know if. if for a top five best factions ever, if you didn't have the NWO in it, you know, you'd probably need your head looked at, to be honest. I would agree with that completely, what you just said. Spud, any thoughts on what Neil said, or just move on to your number two? No, like I said, I mean, uh, he said pretty much everything that I was thinking anyway. Um, What he said, like, it went to, it it turned terrible pretty quick. You don't realise how quick it is, lads. Like, I'm watching it week to week, and within two months, there is like it. It just keeps. It gets so bloated. At literally at one point, they had a B team. Like they sent out the B team that had like <laughs> IRS and uh, what do you call Booker Stevie Ray and people like that. And then eventually, it was just like, what are we at? There's only so many times you can see them beat people up and Sting just watch them from the rafters. But uh, in terms of, I think they've got like the number two selling t-shirt of all time behind Austin behind Austin one Um, thing I will say about the NWO sorry Spud was uh, whenever obviously when you had the whole invasion angle and then you had the likes of Goldberg and Nash and Hall Hogan etc and they all had the whole the contracts with uh, Turner and because of that they sat at home you know to make their money until that contract was up but when they did actually debut, it was pretty cool the way when they joined WWE that they debuted at No Way Out, which obviously initializes NWO. I always nice. thought that promo with Vince McMahon was very good at the time. And their actual debut was class, you know, where they attacked Austin. And then obviously then in the Raw, they attacked The Rock as well. But the only thing is WWE completely jobbed them out. It was to me, it was just to say, like, no, WWE is better than WCW. Your top guys are nowhere near as good as our top guys. Now, Nash said that himself that time I went to a Q&A with him, and he said that, too, about their, their run in WWE. Like, and it just it started off well, and then they just it got to the stage where Shawn Michaels was brought in as a leader. X Pac was in the NWO. Booker T Booker was even in at one stage. It was it got ridiculous. And then I think, and no disrespect to 
to Bradshaw because obviously he became JBL. But when NWO debuted, they were feuding with Austin and The Rock. And then within a couple of months, with Scott Hall not feuding with Bradshaw, it was a bit random. Yeah, I so don't even remember that. I think, it, that, was, yeah, I think it, that was a backlash, Neil. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like It just sort of it dropped considerably for them. So um, that's another reason why... like. It, when when you try to get the band back together and it did start well initially, but then it just sort of went to the dogs after that. But not necessarily, not necessarily their own fault. But it, it, it sort of puts a wee they did it, on it as well. They did it in TNA as well. See, with you saying putting the band back together, they tried to do like a rip off in TNA, and it was called right. the band, and it was X Pac, <laughs> Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash just trying their best yeah. to be NWO, even though they're all going grey. You see, one one of my problems is, and I've said this to Posse a few times, every so often, WWE have like a get-together night or some anniversary or what have you, but they always seem to bring back the same people. And it's always Ric Flair. It's always Shawn Michaels. It's always the NWO. But now, the, it, it, the NWO were meant to be these cool badasses back in the day, but even when they bring them back now, it just sort of it feels like like a, a parody, like a comedy. It waters it down. Yeah, it just, I don't know. They were on SmackDown there not long before WrestleMania, I think, before the whole COVID thing happened. And and it just, I don't know, it it, it just falls flat now. It's like, it's like, oh, here's the NWO again. And I just feel like it's sort of the same with DX, whereas they, they bring them back all the time for like Raw anniversaries and stuff, SmackDown anniversaries. And it just feels every time. It's like, it's convoluted now. It's watered down. It's sort of like, guys, you need to let it go. Bring back somebody else. Like, like I've used, I've said the party before. Why not bring back the right to censor for like a one-off appearance? Like, because people would react to that. But when you start seeing DX and the NWO, it's it, it feels like every every couple of months, they, one of those factions seems to appear. It's it's sort of I don't know. It means it it it, it they lose a bit of gloss. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. The, the the lose the shine, but if you're advertising like 25th anniversary of such and such, a feature in the right to censor, nobody's going to <laughs> it. I don't care. It's, it's no disrespect, but I know what you mean. But old names do bring stuff in, and oh, it's oh, kind of yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I I I totally get that, but I just sort of feel like they should mix it up a bit. It all yeah. like to me. Uh, was it Raw 25? Was that the last or was that the big one last year? Old school Raw or something like that, and they had it in the two yeah, buildings or whatever. That was and a I, nightmare. I, I, I thought, I just, do you remember they had, was it Finn Balor and they had uh, uh, Gallows and Anderson? And remember they did the whole too sweet thing? And it was sort of DX came out and with them. And it was just, to me, it was just sort of patronizing. Like, oh, you get to sit in the ring with DX. And it was just like, right, okay. I know we're going off on a tangent here because we're supposed to be talking about the NWO. But it just, I just feel like they bring the NWO, they bring DX, people like that back far too often. And, and maybe they should bring a couple of people, like a couple of random gigs from back in the day, even for like, you know, a quick segment. It would make a difference. Whereas you just see the same people all the time now. The Heart Heart Foundation would be pretty hard to bring back. (laughs) Yeah, they might find that a bit difficult. (laughs) Yeah, though, as you're saying there about bringing old old acts back and stuff like that, it was quite interesting. If 
if you listen to the Jim Cornette experience this week, he done an interview with the Revival, and that Raw where the DX came back and the NWO came back, they always seen themselves. So they say in this podcast they were Triple H's boys. Like if Triple H came to them when they were in NXT and said, "Hey, we need you to go an extra ten minutes tonight," or X, Y, and Z, they were like, "Yep, no problem, let's do it." They were just excited about doing, you know, the extra minutes or the overtime or whatever. And at that Raw 25, they turned up and their spot was if to go out and get job the DX and X-Pac and Nash and Shawn Michaels and Triple H and whoever, not Nash, but Billy Gunn and Road Dog and stuff, or whoever all was there, they all get to do their finishers on the revival. They said that they really lost a lot of respect that night. Not so much respect, but they were just frustrated with their position that night because it felt to them that they felt they were Triple H's guys and here they were just like the sell. Yeah. You know, for some of the older guys, I just thought it was quite interesting. You know, as you said about, and it must be quite, you know, maybe disheartening for some of the guys. Maybe some of the guys in the back now are like, oh yes, we get to go out and share the ring with the X. But maybe some others who take themselves seriously and who want to progress see going out and jobbing the guys in their fifties. You know, is a bit silly and it makes them look stupid and look weak. It's just a very interesting dynamic. But everything you both have said there, I I totally agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're when we're saying there about that, obviously we're, we're talking about NWO. There was a segment, was it like Hulk Hogan's birthday a few years ago, and Brock Lesnar came out, and it was like NWO were in the ring with Hogan, and they were like presenting him with like a birthday cake and stuff. And I'm sitting there scratching my head, going, "These guys were meant to be total badasses back in the day, and here we are having you know a birthday party, which is like something you would have saw on CBBS back in the day." And I'm looking yeah. at this going like this is making this is NW. These these guys are meant to be they were they were trailblazers, they were trendsetters. You know, they changed the game and here we are now, they're in these watered down segments and it just it to me it, it just I don't know, it just chips away at their aura, if you know what I mean. Like because they, they do have an aura, but it I just find in recent years the likes of DX, the likes of NW, you're just going, Oh, here we go again. Now it, do you remember at WrestleMania 31 when NWO came out and helped Sting, which in essence doesn't make sense, yeah. but it was cool. That was, that was a pretty cool moment, you know, when they because nobody was expecting that to happen, and they got a they got a huge pop that night. But you know, the more times that they get NWO or DX etc. come back, do you not find the cheers, the pops they're getting are less and less. Yeah, hundred percent. And especially as the crowds get younger and more and more new people are watching that don't care. Like um, that SmackDown the other week, the NWO run Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross's talk show, and then a couple. Yes, I can't even. I can't even remember sorry, who came out. What was it? Was, yeah, that's one you were talking, talking about. about was it? Was it Corbin came out? And was running his mouth at them, or some? I can't remember who came out. Someone came out and ran their mouth at them. A hail. It might have been the Miz, um, and Morrison. I honestly can't remember who it was. But um, they sort of got up as if they were going to do something, and then whoever the heel was backed out of the ring um, because Braun came out to back up the NWO. <laughs> it was like, here comes Braun Strowman to back up the NWO against some heel, whoever it was, that's completely gone from who it was for me. And I was just, as you said, chipped away at their aura. Um, I also had the NWO second. Um, with everything you guys have said, I agree with. Um, one of the things which you've alluded to and that puts me, I actually had them first to change my mind was anytime there was the ability for a new star to be made, 
they buried that star. For example, they they kept Sting off sort of wrestling and off talking for almost a year, or maybe it was over a year. Spud, you'll be able to confirm. And then they had the big showdown, Sting and Hogan. And then they botched the ending because they'd done some mad angle. The end, it was that Hogan beat Sting. It and was, then the match got restarted and then Sting finally got his win. And it just didn't really have any glow about it. It was meant to be uh, Nick Patrick, who was in Invasion against, uh, what do you call him? From WWE, remember the Hemner. referee match? <laughs> Hemner. Hemner. Uh Yeah, just to go back to the invasion, but it was him. He was meant to do a fast count, and uh, Bret Hart. It was his first appearance. That's on right. WCW. That's right. Another WCW disaster outside. of booking. Yeah, he was outside as like the special enforcer, and uh, he was meant to do a quick count and then restart it. Sting wins with a Scorpion Deathlock, but it was just a normal count. And so Bret Hart just looks like a wee petulant child coming in going, nah, don't don't feel like that's the right end and start it over. Um, but <laughs> I'm it sorry, stinks. but that is just uh, it's dreadful. Absolutely Apparently, dreadful. there's been rumours that uh, Hulk Hogan sort of paid off the referee to mess it up on purpose. But uh, Sting, it was a year of build-up. He needed time off. He was, just, he was at every show just up in the rafters. Um, but... They had occasions where they could make stars, like Lex Luger was the first to win the title off Hogan after he won it, and the pop he gets is insane. DDP had a really good run against him, but most people just joined them because they're like, why not? It's And then they just fade into the background. Uh, but sorry, I'm interrupting. Go ahead, Patsy. No, but that, that's that, that's one of the reasons why I moved them down from first to second. Everything you guys have said, they completely changed the industry and probably the birth of the Attitude Era and the popularity of ECW um, probably coincide with the NWO being that edgy Attitude craziness. Mm-hmm. With the greatest heel turn of all time, it was overdone and had a dreadful end and it inevitably caused WCW to go out of business was the craziness of it all. But because of how they changed wrestling to make it have its hottest ever period, I had them at one, but moved them down to two. The more I thought about it, considering the burials of potential new stars and Sting being the one that stood out. Um, but yeah, that was Honky mine. Punk that... Man was in the NWO, lads. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's hectic. It's too much. Yeah. But they, they did have such a big impact, not only in the wrestling industry, but the likes of bringing in Dennis Rodman and stuff like that. They rubbed shoulders with, you know, worldwide known stars, which is why I thought they were so cool as well. But as you, everyone, as we've talked about now, it's just been chipped away and the aura has been overdone. So they were second for me. Nice spot. Who did you have in second? Oh, I didn't even say. Sorry. I've cheated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> alluding to what I sort of said earlier, we keep saying alluding to, well, that's like the eighth <laughs> time we said that, but it's uh, the ministry and the corporation. I'll put them in one place. Um, I, I can't believe they're that high up. That's a knuckle lie. It's this point system. It's flawless. <laughs> Basically, I love their theme tune. I love The Undertaker. I love Ken Shamrock. I love uh, Big Boss Man. I lo- like Vince McMahon, the corporation... All their theme tunes are amazing. Um, Triple H, China, everybody, they pretty much were the heels for about a year and a half. It's me, Austin, it was me all along, is the funniest reveal of all time because it made <laughs> no sense whatsoever. Um, 
literally made no sense. Like he kidnapped his own daughter. <laughs> I, I honestly wonder if, if I would love to know. I would love someone like you know that Grill and Jr. or something like that, or a Cornet podcast. Someone who was in in the company at the time in the background to go into detail about what happened because I'm convinced that had to be a, a, a change of plans at the last it was, minute. It was a change of plan. It was meant to be. There was a big, big rumor. It was meant to be uh, Christopher Daniels. Really. Yeah, course, he that, was, would have, that would have been like, class because he he's superb. Even he now parried in his 40s, it. He still parried brilliant. it. Yeah, he parried it, parodied it. Remember, he was meant to be the leader of the Dark Order in AEW. Yeah. He brought out a video and he took off the hood like Vince McMahon did because it's been <laughs> like a rumor for the last twenty years that he oh, was wow. meant to be it. So, um, yeah, the ministry, their theme tunes, amazing. The ministry theme tunes, amazing. Corporations theme tunes Fences, which is amazing, and yeah. then both together is class. Yeah, uh, it's like no chance in hell set to like Undertaker's music. Uh, it's yeah. it everything. I'm honestly, I'm really shocked at that high up, but I was a massive Undertaker mark, and a, it's my favorite Undertaker where he's proper evil. Fair. And yeah, everything there. I mean, just just to butt in, whenever you talked about the Vince McMahon thing, it was me, Austin, it was me all along, Austin. I was disappointed yeah. that the reveal of the Dark Order leader wasn't Tony Khan. <laughs> it was me yeah. all along. It was me all along or something along those lines <laughs> because it was the type of thing I think they would do. But I was like, I would have been like, oh, this is dreadful, but it would have made me laugh. Yeah. Um, but well, basically, said, it, did, it did get revealed that, I mean, it's Vince McMahon ultimately that's the leader of the Dark Order because... That's the way he's getting on, Luke Harper. <laughs> so, like <laughs> yes, ma'am. Spud, uh, do you not think that had PWU over here, over Northern Ireland, if they had a ramble at angle, your man that was like the head guy, Terry Thompson, oh, he definitely guy, would have done just... that because do you remember the time we went to the show and he literally interfered with a chair in like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just loved it. We were pulling up, and he was just on the balcony having a smoke, and yeah. then he's in, he's interfering every other match. It was hectic, <laughs> but he he's the real higher power. What a guy! Oh. But no, that whole thing, and it led to Stone Cold uh, being part owner, and that weird match at King of the Ring, oh, that's the, uh, the ladder match against Vince and uh, Shane. Everything about it is just fun. It's proper I, I goofy, goofy wrestling. I can't remember. Remember the crane move that brought she in the briefcase or something? Was it ever revealed who moved the crane? No. I can't remember. No, they never revealed it. It was heavily implied it was Big Boss Man that was just okay. raising it, when, but nobody ever actually came out. Okay. It's just one of those things. Remember that Booker T just kept getting like, I know what you did last summer notes. <laughs> That's right. They never revealed that. No, they're just like, he just oh, kept getting like, it was like three weeks in a row. He's like, I know what you did. And Booker T's like looking all worried. And then they just dropped it. They just back to being normal. So the they time, do it all um, the time. They just... Remember the time Vince McMahon's limo blew up? And then there was some, was it Chris Benoit incident happened? Yeah. He appeared on Raw next week. Pretend that never happened, lads. We're really sorry yeah. about what happened. That that was fake. This is real. Let's do a tribute and not wait until we actually find out what he did. Yeah, that's crazy. So, Spud, stay, stay, stay with you then with your last one. Who have you got number one? Just before I do, because I'm pretty sure nobody's going to have my honorable honorable mentions. 
So you have said, oh, sorry, uh, Neil had four horsemen. They didn't make it. I just haven't seen enough of them, but I know their class. Anything I have seen, they're amazing. Undisputed Era, have I like their entrance more than the wrestling. Um, New Day I had. They were very close to being in the top five. Uh-huh. Um, also, Bullet Club. Yeah, Bullet Club Bullet was a Club. big one. I actually stayed away from them because I didn't see enough of them. Um, and there's a couple. There's a couple, of, there's a couple of TNA ones I thought were quite good, but again, I didn't. I watched TNA on and off. I didn't watch it weekly, so I sort Ace of kept Nate. them off the list. Aces Nate, yeah. I remember that. I always thought the main event Mafia was fun, but it was ridiculous. Yeah. But at the end, yeah, no, a hundred percent. But like uh, Bullet Club, like I said, what I was looking at is Impact and stuff like that. And even though they're ripping off about four different factions. Uh, you can't say that people weren't like interested in Japanese wrestling for the first time in a long time. So they're honorable as well. But my number one, which I was surprised about myself, is Evolution. Evolution. Um, all the reasons that I've said previous. So Star Makers, the two main eventers uh, came out of it. Uh, Reinvigorated Ric Flair. Triple H had his time. Uh, pretty much for like two years where he was untouchable. Uh, even though they messed up the Randy turn eventually, the actual turn itself where it's the thumbs down and he's on Batista's back or shoulders uh, is one of the best turns, I think, of all time. Uh, Motorhead doing their music, I unironically listened to that. It's an amazing tune. <laughs> um yeah, I, I honestly didn't realize until I'd done this stupid point system that I've worked out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, they're actually number one. That's that's mad. I liked everybody in it at a time when Star Power wasn't at its peak, like Neil said. Uh, they lost two biggies, um, and people were sort of wound down. They ran raw for ages, and then they split up, and Batista's turn was amazing. His whole run was amazing. Yeah. Um, their feud with they brought the Rock back to feud with him for WrestleMania Rock and Sock connection that was a fun match. Yeah. Every like Neil said, uh, the all the titles is just like an iconic image now, and yeah, it's just apparently it's my favorite faction of all time. <laughs> um, massive fan on like top to bottom, uh, proper good heels, really really good. Enjoyed them. Okay. Neil. Who have you got? Um, well, I, I would hazard a guess that you're probably a bit surprised by my number one choice because uh, most people probably would have went NWO or Evolution or DX or whatever, but I've actually went to Shield for number one. Mm-hmm. And the reason being, I, again, most of these have already been touched on by yourselves, but they have class, they music. They did their entrance was unique in the sense that they came through different parts of the crowd. That was something that, that hadn't been seen in a long, long time. Uh, the three of them became bona fide main eventers. Um, the three of them, again, they all held the WWE title on the same night. They've all won a variety of titles. I saw a picture there during the rounds the other week, and it had Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns, and beside them, beside each person it had like the picture of them themselves with the t- different titles so you had they've all won the WWE title they've all won the Intercontinental they've all won the US title 
uh, they've all won tag team gold. <clears throat> you know, there's a couple of them have won Money in the Banks. There's two of them have won the Royal Rumble. So, you know, they're, they're, they're bona fide stars. And one thing I really liked about them was each of them, you know, there's no I in team. And the three of them had, even though they're all technically under the same gimmick at that stage, they were all different at the same time. So you had Rollins, who is, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. You had Rollins that is like probably out of the three of them, the best wrestler. Then you had Reigns, who has the best look. You know, he's got the long black hair. He's massive. And then Excellent. you had, <laughs> uh, and then you had Ambrose, who to me is the best talker out of the three of them. So you know, they all had different things to offer. And I just sort of felt that the impact they made when they attacked Ryback um, at Survivor Series in 2012 it was a triple threat between Punk, Ryback, and John Cena, I believe. So. Yes. And they put Ryback through the announce table, so they made a major impact. And then the first proper match was TLC, and I think it was against Ryback and Team Helno in a TLC match. That was, you're right. They won that, and then at the Royal Rumble, they they interfered and attacked The Rock. So they made an impact then. You know, they binned him a few weeks beforehand, and they were binning all these legends, and then... They interfered in that match, and then at No Way Out, uh, it, or was it Elimination Chamber by then? They had, I think it was John Cena, Sheamus, and Ryback against The Shield, and The Shield beat them, and then they made their WrestleMania debut against Randy Orton, Big Show, and Sheamus, and then they beat them, and they won so many matches. Even when they, so that they, they, they made a tremendous impact at the start, but even at the end, like you're saying there about, you know, when Evolution broke up, you know, when the turn on Randy and then the turn on Batista, when, Ev- when the Shield broke up, it was epic. As in, everyone always suspected if one of them was going to turn, it would be Dean Ambrose, because he sort of does have heelish tendencies. And everyone thought if they were ever going to pull the trigger on a heel turn for the Shield, it would have been Ambrose. So everyone was mega surprised when it was actually Rollins that did it. And, you know, they had a good run near the end as well. Because they teased the breakup around the time when they were feuding with the Wyatts. And to this day, how the Wyatts beat them a couple of times, they went over the Shield. I'm not having it at all because the Shield are far better than the Wyatt family. You were saying there are honorable mentions earlier on. The Wyatt family, to me, are just glorified jobbers dressed in farmyard gear. So, <laughs> they're, so they're, they don't even Say what you really on. mean, Neil. They, they don't get an honorable mention. Um, but... When they went over the shield, it was more a case of why. But then the shield then they sort of like regrouped and then they beat uh, the New Age Outlaws and Kane and then they ended up going to that great feud with Evolution. And then Evolution put them over and stuff. And you're thinking, wow, you know, they are solidifying themselves. It's probably the best stable ever. And then when they all went their separate ways, you know, uh, with single single titles wins and stuff, and they all did very well. So to me, the shield are numero uno. I think they're brilliant. That's a compelling argument. Um, what I like about all three as well, and you mentioned with the role, they're all together, but they're all different. Like you had the powerhouse in Roman, the technical wrestler in Seth, also the sort of the high flyer daredevil. To an extent, you had Ambrose, the brawler, the crazy one, all significantly different, but all together as a team. 
And even though they lost to the Wyatts, as you said, you didn't like it, they were so good and so over, that loss didn't matter. And to an extent, because they were still brilliant. You know, I, I just, I, I feel Did like... all three of them not lose against CM Punk? Three on one as well? I think they did. I think it was Cena on Raw. Cena ran the gauntlet and beat them all. Or he beat two of them and lost the one in the, at the end. But I can't remember. I think it was before Cena beat The Rock. No, or was that the Wyatt? I, I think you're... So yeah, but, so CM Punk and his shoot thing when he left, he was like, it's the you got to make Roman look strong. And yes, he was right. like, was it, why don't all three of them just beat me instead of me beating them? So, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, because that was around the time they were teasing them breaking up. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was, I think that was TLC. Because I remember we were actually at the Raw in Manchester whenever they teased the Wyatt family and the Shield. When both of them were, were heels and the Shield were feuding with Punk and the Wyatts. I'd started attacking Daniel Bryan, but then the Wyatts interfered. It was the Shield against Daniel Bryan and CM Punk on Raw, but the, the Wyatt family interfered during the match, and everyone was like, whoa, this is the first time these two factions have, you know, came face-to-face, and then they started brawling with each other uh, because the Shield were, it got them disqualified, and they were furious, and then that teased that whole angle. When Sorry, when you're saying there about the, the wins and losses and stuff about the Shield. Obviously, they got beat by the Wyatts a couple of times, but then the Shield got their win back. I think they beat them in another, in a Raw. Yeah, I think you're right. Got, the Shield definitely got a win back. And then they, lo- they lost to uh, Team Helno and Randy Orton. Yes, that was their first lost, ever loss on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah and then... Am I right in saying that they lost to Christian and the Usos? I'm not sure, but I know their first ever loss was to that Team Hell No and Orton, as you say, and it was on SmackDown, and it was a brilliant yeah. TV match. It was, I think, it was a good 20 minute, and it was just brilliant. I, I am, I'm pretty confident that they lost to Christian and the Usos. That was another big shock at the time. Uh, I think it may have been, you know, to, to try and set plant the seeds of maybe a breakup or whatever, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure they lost that, but it just shows how good they are and how well they were booked and stuff. They were brilliant. They made it. They made it cool again. Yeah. But the music was class, and you know, especially when you know they came out and you know in the phonetic alphabet and stuff. Sierra Hotel in the Echo Lima Delta, like that's class. Yeah. It's fair. My first, my number one was the Four Horsemen. Um, it was a bit before my time, but. Since we've been on lockdown and at home, I've been watching a, a lot of the old stuff. And 12 years, the Horsemen, not consecutively, but 12 years, the Horsemen were around from 1985 to 1991 and from 93 to 99. And they were never just there. They were always involved in something. Um, in my opinion, they were the first major heel stable, the one that really set the precedent for what a heel stable could be and could do. Um, they paved the way, in my opinion, for what DX would be like as a heel stable in 97. Um, what many people would, would consider and say that they have Ric Flair, who is the GOAT. The majority of people, workers in the business, would say Ric Flair is the GOAT. Um, the original four, Flair, Ollie Anderson, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. All excellent workers. All could talk, all could 
they were just all around. There's brilliant, brilliant heel faction, and some people who got the rub and became stars just from being aligned with them. Throughout the years, the four changed. Psycho Sid or Sid Vicious was in it at one point, made him a star mm-hmm. just by just by rubbing shoulders. Sting rub shoulders, Luger rub shoulders, a couple of uh, Benoit. Benoit, yeah, he's on my list. Malenko. Malenko, yeah. Barry Windham, who Brian Pillman, yeah. Barry Windham, who was a huge star in the sort of independence and the sort of territories, um, rub shoulders with him. And not only that, um, Chris Benoit was in it at the same time as a then manager in wrestling called Woman, who was actually yeah. Nancy, who who became Nancy Benoit, who was actually married to Kevin Sullivan at the time, who Benoit ended up feuding with. And as a result of that feud, fell in love with Nancy, who became his wife. Also, Kevin Liz- Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan was booking at the time, so yeah, right. he le- he, he literally booked his own divorce. Yeah, Miss Elizabeth rubbed shoulders with him, and Deborah, if you remember Deborah from the 1999 WWE run with Jeff Jarrett and stuff. So just from the who's who of names that rubbed shoulders with the Horsemen, and uh, with who was in it specifically, Ric Flair, who majority would say is the goat. Um, I had the Four Horsemen as my number one. Fair play. Yeah, like regards to the Four Horsemen, like again, you know they they are before my time. But if it was my top five favorite stables, they wouldn't be in it because you know I, I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about them or yeah, I saw yeah. a lot of their work. But I I think it would be a travesty if you didn't include them in the top five because of the impact they made because of Ric Flair. You know, and even like obviously Fleur's the, the the biggest name. Aaron Anderson's still a big name. You know, JJ Dillon and stuff. And um, I think if it, it, it would have been like a major upset had they not been mentioned. I, I know you didn't mention them, Spud, but you did give them an honourable mention, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just haven't uh, seen enough. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I get that. Um, but if it was a top five favourite, they wouldn't be in mind. But because it's top five best. Uh, I think they they should be in it, but that's why they were lower down for me is because I haven't saw enough of them. But similar to NWO, if it was like a top five favorites, they wouldn't be in it either. So again, I I've, I was sort of brought up, you know, watching WWF, WWE. I've I've never really ventured into the other organizations and stuff. So, I, but I have saw clips of the Four Horsemen, and I understand the impact they've made and how good they were. And you know, am I right in saying whenever Flair was world champion? in NWA that did they have the tag belts as well at that stage? Yeah, there was a period of time they had the tag belts while he yeah. had the had the world title. It, so it was really I know like when you even what Triple H talks about evolution, his idea was planted by how good the horsemen were. Well well sure even look at nowadays, I know they've never actually had an act like you know, they're not a proper stable or anything like that, but I know that the likes of uh Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynn, Sasha Banks and Bailey are like you know jokingly referred to as the the four horse women. So you know that's obviously came from the four horse men, but yeah. it, it shows the impact they've made. And you know if a team has you know a, a singles title and a tag title you know under their umbrella at one time, well then that shows to me that they are a good stable. And when you look at that, that happens with with the teams that have all been mentioned here or factions. You know, that has happened at one stage, you know, where somebody has had a world title and someone else has had a, a, a tag team title at the same time. Like, so, you know, I, I know the Shield didn't, but they had Ambrose was US champion when the other two were tag champions and stuff. So they all held. Do they have? 
yesterday, yeah, New Day as well, yeah. Um, they're, they're to be fair, to be fair, like I'm sorry for interrupting this, uh, but no, the way I'm doing this stupid point system that I've forced myself to do for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, I've just realised that DX Shield NWO and Four Horsemen are all 15 points apiece out of 20. So it is just personal preference that's ultimately decided all this. So you could swap out four horsemen for DX if you really want. Mm-hmm. Well, Since you well, have to put them in. Sorry, uh, when you're saying there about honourable mentions, mm-hmm. earlier on I was thinking of putting the Ministry of Darkness in and then obviously you know it joined force with the corporation like again because Undertaker... Undertaker's he's been amazing for maybe I know obviously now the injuries have caught up with him and stuff but like as an actual characterization you know he's he stood the test of time uh, but the Ministry of Darkness for me like they they would definitely get an honourable mention as would the corporation because you know whenever I started to get really get into it the corporation you know were feuding with the rock all the time and stuff and they're interfering in loads of matches and then you would get you know, like Shane was in the corporation and then he'd be feuding with Steve Blackman. Like, do you know what I mean? Like different members of the corporation were feuding with different people and stuff. Uh, they, so they would get an honourable mention for me. They, they just missed out in mine. Fair enough. So just to finish then, any closing thoughts? Anyone that we've you've sort of really summed up yourselves, both of you there, but is there anything that we've missed? Anything that maybe we haven't give, you know, justice to that you'd like to mention before oh. we finish up? Okay. Nobody, about... nobody picked the Nexus. Weirdly, <laughs> on the tenth year anniversary, we didn't even talk yeah. about them. They had a great celebrate song. better faction, factions. They didn't have a good theme song. I liked it. I liked their theme song. I can't even remember it off the top of my head. No, I can. It was rubbish. They <laughs> had. They, they started off great. I, I actually remember. I was watching Raw that night when they attacked. Because they interfered in a CM Punk match, and he was wearing the mask. It was CM Punk John Cena? And when they, I, I, I was up late that night and watched it, and I remember them being like, "Wow, this is actually you know pretty cool." And then they completely ruined it yeah. by having them lose at SummerSlam. And then even when they had Cena as a member of the Nexus, they he was still coming out wearing the John Cena gear. He wasn't coming out wearing all Nexus gear. If you know what I mean, it was yeah. weird. There's, so a very, there's a very famous story with Edge told where I think it was, I can't remember if it was SummerSlam or if it was Survivor Series, but it was one of the big Cena Nexus matches and Nexus lost. And the whole day, Edge was saying, John, it's the wrong decision. They have to go over. And John was like, no, 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 it's not. It's the right decision. And then I can't remember if it was the, that night or the next day or a couple of weeks later, whatever. But their Edge member talking about this said that Cena approached him and says I was wrong you were right they should have went over and I always thought that was, that was the really cool. yeah it was SummerSlam they bur- he buried them yeah no, I guess it, was, it was Survivor Series because uh, it was a Survivor it was an elimination match and okay. Daniel Bryan joined their team it and was, it was SummerSlam's yeah. fraud definitely right okay Definitely SummerSlam because that was the SummerSlam match was their first big match. It was early doors. But did they not win that match, or or, or was no, that one that they lost? Cena, Cena won the match. Definitely won the match. And it okay. was a like elimination match. Yeah, five on like, five. It was like I think it was. I think Bret it was Hart like, was in the SummerSlam one. Yeah, Bret Hart was involved. R Truth, John Morrison, uh, Daniel Bryan joined them. Uh, 
Edge, Chris Jericho, but did Edge and Chris Jericho not walk out or something? I think you're That's right. Like six feet, wasn't it? How many was yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, it was. Like, it, it, yeah, it was like 6 feet 6 or 77 or something. I remember it being something it crazy. Was that, yeah. It but was, I remember the Survivor, then, the Survivor Series one, was it not Cena versus Barrett? Or was it Barrett versus whoever the champ was, and Cena was the referee or something like that? Was that yeah, it was. It was. It was. Cena was in the corner of Wade Barrett, and he was feuding with Randy Orton, and then Cena was to help him, but he didn't, and Orton retained. But then the next night on Raw, Barrett got another title shot, looked to have Orton beat, and then Cena ran through the crowd, and then hit Barrett, and then Randy Orton beat him, but then Miz cashed in straight after. That's right. Yeah, that was um, they really that they really did destroy the Nexus. I thought it was very good at the start, and then it really became ridiculous whenever like sort of Punk took over, and then the booking of the new Nexus and all this nonsense, you know. But and the that, core, the <laughs> core. If you're saying there, you know, I'm finishing touches. If the pair of you could pick, forget about who you think's the best, but if you could pick one team or one faction to put in, who's a personal favorite of yours, just not not they don't necessarily have to have been like an amazing stable, but just somebody or some faction that you liked and you could put them in uh, as as like a favorite. Who would it be? Spud, you're up. I, I don't know. I've pretty much went through like every. <laughs> do you mean like make one up or just pick one that we haven't said yet? Pick one that that isn't in your top five best, but you. If it was your top five favourites, you would definitely have included them. Just oh, one. okay. Uh, New Day, I would have them. And I think they're the best fa- face uh, stable maybe ever. Oh, okay. Nate, who have you got? Uh, I would pick the right to censor. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Honestly, no. Like Honestly, nothing, about, like, man. <laughs> nuclear heat. Nuclear heat. Just because they had stuff. alarms. They had alarms. For yeah, their theme music and I know. They covered up people trying to show their boobs. It's <laughs> easy know, to get hate when you're doing that. As a twelve year old boy, that's worked. what you wanted. You wanted those you wanted those women covered up. But it worked. I, I even listening back now, the whole alarm thing is hilarious. Like <laughs> I, I actually agree. I think it is very, very funny and it's a brilliant, brilliant stable because because of the heat. But for me, I would have went with the un Americans just because of the three in it. I just thought the three in it were just so, so good. Yeah, they were. Dude. And you love Canada now. <laughs> nah, Christian and Storm, I always thought were a brilliant tag team as well. And Tess was very, very good. I didn't even know Tess was Canadian until he joined them. <laughs> it's just some fella, but I love Tess. Tess is cool music. He did. Sing it, Neil. I don't remember it. Uh, I wouldn't want your microphone to break. <laughs> Why would his microphone break? <laughs> <laughs> Having to listen to it or his phone or whatever he's on, it would break listening to the sound of my <laughs> Well, thank you both for coming on today. I hope um, you've had fun debating and talking and just reminiscing about some of the, the good old times watching wrestling when it was better. <laughs> Well, thank you very, thank you very much for having me. Um, as Spot alluded to earlier on, or said alluded again, do you need our bank details here, or what, or what method of payment? <laughs> Shout out your bank details, sir, oh. Neil, and I'll, I'll make sure Patsy gets them. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it off the air, Neil. <laughs> 
Yeah, mate, uh, thanks very much for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. I've always wanted to be on the podcast, so it's a dream come true. A dream come true, the very first episode. You were on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not the last. <laughs> Might be for you, but, but well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably pretty late your side, so um, thank you so much for coming on, and have a great night, gentlemen. You too, bud. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The very first episode, we hope you enjoyed it as we talked, joked, and messed around about wrestling factions. Please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at the podcast. Thanks. Have a good night and stay safe.